Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Health Connect South Radio. Now here's your host, C.W. Hall. Good morning, everyone. It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Health Connect South Radio show, episode 64. Wow. Hanging out with Jay Schaefer. Good morning, C.W. This is Jay. We're under 100 days to football, so we've been talking football here before we're going on the air today. Uh, that's right. Well, speaking of Alabama and football, <laughs> that's where the Health Connect South had their event yesterday. And I got an email from Russ that was warmly, they had a great group turnout. People from Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama were there. And it was talking about academic and industry partnerships. So the Southern Research Institute very warmly welcomed everybody. And It'll be a good springboard for the September 21st event at the Georgia Aquarium. So go to healthconnectsouth.com and register. You can use Radio X promo code to get a discount. And the other thing is stay tuned because there's going to be an event in Florida in November. It surprises me how fast it's coming up because Friday's July. Yeah, I know. It's almost halfway through the year. So, so make like sure you, you get Football registered. season will be here soon. So. That's right. Tickets are selling fast. So you want to get yours and uh, get connected with the healthcare ecosystem here around the Southeast and in the Atlanta area. It's a great place to go. Make connections, possibly find either a partnership or a collaboration that would help whatever it is your, your particular initiative is trying to achieve. Or you might just meet a great client to be at the event it's going to be held there at the aquarium it's an awesome venue get to see the belugas swimming around there too so i highly recommend and we've been talking to technology companies over time that are trying to bring solutions that will either enhance efficiencies or improve patient outcomes in this case today we're looking at one that is achieving both at the same time actually we have uh, Matt Ethington with Chronic Care IQ with us in the studio. Thanks for taking some time, man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate being here. All the way via Nebraska in a roundabout way. Yeah, from Roswell. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking before we went on the air about how the, the landscape in healthcare has changed. The Affordable Care Act obviously addressed a number of things I think that really needed to be addressed, uh, some of which are, are certainly debatable, I guess, over time. But uh, some of the things I definitely agree with with myself having spent most of my career in healthcare is becoming focused on preventing diseases before they occur, realizing that once things like diabetes and heart disease, uh, hypertension, things like that set in, uh, they can become chronic situations. And as we were talking, uh, they're very, very expensive to treat. And that's where most of the uh, big events like heart attack, stroke, and things like that uh, live as well within that patient population more so than others. And this particular company is working on a solution to foster better care and outcomes for those patients, more efficiencies for the hospitals and the uh, providers that are trying to manage a large chronic illness patient population. So, Let's get into your background. Talk about how you got here to be with uh, uh, Chronic Care IQ, and then we can kind of get down into how the actual platform does its thing. Sure. Well, um, a couple things about me. I built an electronic medical record uh, that grew to manage 45 million electronic medical records for doctors on two continents. So that was a, a pretty good background getting my feet wet in healthcare. And of course, I'd, I'd been in that space for some time. I exited that business as meaningful use was starting. So as everybody was starting to 
you know, the government was funding uh, investments for ambulatory practices in healthcare and got into telemedicine. And I see telemedicine as limitless, the potential for connecting doctors and patients uh, with specialists. And, and uh, it, it, I, I think we're at the very, very, very beginning of where telemedicine uh, is going to go. And um, I'm also a type 1 diabetic. I was diagnosed at 30 years old with type 1 diabetes. I lost almost 60 pounds, uh, just a wafer thin, and uh, went to a doctor, and I, and I was just so shocked to learn that. You know, I, I was pretty convinced that I was the CEO of my body, and I learned in a hurry that I wasn't. And so I've been living with an insulin pump and a pretty serious chronic disease for the past 15 years. And uh, connecting the dots, putting things together, the, the, the thing that people don't realize is if you have a chronic disease, it's not a pill you take in the morning. It's something you have to think about every day. And uh, you might see your doctor once every six months, once every three months, or once every month if you're in uh, pretty rough shape, but you live with your disease 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So there's, there's a chance that your care needs and your care regimen can become out of sync. And so the, the company that I created, Chronic Care IQ, was a platform to address that. As a patient dealing with a, a chronic illness, as you, you talked about di- uh, diabetes, how, how did you experience some of those disconnects throughout your you know, journey, if you will, as you've been dealing with diabetes and going to providers and, and having follow-up and so forth? I mean, did, did those types of situations that we're talking about that that care care uh, chronic care iq is going to address did, did you firsthand deal with some of those types of situations or maybe somebody couldn't get your records or whatever the case may be well um i have dealt with situations where my care gets out of sync was that the yeah question? yeah um yeah and i think that it's common you know uh, chronic disease isn't static it's uh it fluctuates with you and your environment and it can be rather complex to maintain um, so everybody uh, is familiar with the term diabetes, but there's actually two kinds of right. diabetes. There's a kind where your body doesn't make insulin, and then there's the kind where your body doesn't use insulin. And there are vastly different ways to treat those two populations. Um, so for example, as someone who takes insulin, if I wake up in the morning and my blood sugar is really high, I can take a dose of insulin and bring it down. If you're a type 2 diabetic and you don't take insulin, it causes a much bigger problem for you, and it may take a course of a few days and even a week to get your body to come back down to normal uh, insulin levels. So uh, how you manage those populations and how you stay in touch with those populations, um, you, it, it, or I should say how you manage those patients, uh, is different. But staying in touch with them is very important. And the idea is uh, that if you know what's happening with a patient when it's happening, course corrections are much more mild, much more, uh, I guess, easy to affect um, and uh, with, with much fewer consequences, and they benefit the long-term health of the patient. Uh, today, what happens in healthcare, especially with chronic patients, is their primary care provider will often find out from a loved one after the patient has been admitted to the emergency room or to the hospital or discharged from the hospital. So instead of knowing that a patient was moving in the right, wrong direction and being able to act then, 
they don't find out until the patient is fully decompensated and maybe been admitted for a few days just to get back on their feet. And we're talking tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands, potentially, depending on what they're in there for, in terms of cost that's related to that type of admission and care that comes from that. Um, So clearly being able to head that off will save our overall system spend quite a bit of money as well as the more of those patients we're able to prevent from getting into that crisis phase that you're talking about that requires particularly going to the hospital, going to an emergency room, being admitted. Yes. And especially for the elderly, like the Medicare population, uh, when bad things start to happen, they accelerate at an accelerating rate. And uh, they're, they're seldom happen individually or in a vacuum. There are multiple systems that then start to have uh, trouble or, and have to be addressed. And that causes a downward cycle of the patient and leaves them weaker. So they're more susceptible to the same problem. Again, like mm-hmm. a, uh, many people aren't aware of this, but one out of five Medicare patients has to be readmitted to the hospitals they just left within 30 days. And one out of four patients with heart failure is readmitted within 30 days. What's the precipita- precipitating factor typically? Is there a common thread that leads them back into the hospital that quickly? Do they know what it is? Is it a medication change? Is it just that they haven't fully been returned to equilibrium, if you will, and, and still are somewhat out of sync, so they end up going back pretty quick? Well, I think it's a variety of things. They leave the hospital, and you know, although the hosp- they're in the hospital, for a certain number of days, according to what the DRG is or the diagnosis-related group, mm-hmm. um, there's no incentive for the hospital to keep somebody there for you know, ten or fifteen extra days. Yeah, obviously, nowadays they got to get them out. They do. They do need to uh, get them out. I mean, hospitals have a margin to to, yeah. to keep too. Uh, so there isn't one particular challenge, but there's a lot of challenges. There are patients that might uh, live alone or they might be actually be caring for someone themselves. So when they get out of the hospital, they're expected to be the strong one, you know, caring for uh, a loved one maybe that has dementia or Alzheimer's or something. There is uh, medication changes and uh, medications could be changed while they're in the hospital. And that's not really a long enough window to titrate those medications to make sure the patient's on the, the right dose or they may have a medication interaction, or it may interact with other other medications that they're changing. Um, it could be just you know having the time to get the strength to get back on onto your feet. Uh, there's any one of a number of things, and it's impossible to identify and point at one. We o- we only know what the the usual suspects are. Right, <laughs> and remember we had current health on here and and compliance. People give the me- the doctors give them the medicine, the people don't take the pills. And that's a problem, too. So they have a system to help keep track that people take their medications when they're supposed to. And many of those patients end up on a multiple medication regimen, which makes it that much more complicated for them to try to keep track of. And if they don't take them correctly on time or if they take them out of sync and cross medications up, they can certainly get into problems that also take them back to the hospital and make them sick. We've been talking with Matt Ethington of Chronic Care IQ, learning about their technology platform that is enabling better management of patients that are dealing with chronic illness uh, issues. And Matt, one of the things you talked about was being able to get some real-time information. For example, you talked about the fact that you have to, with your diabetes, you have to check your blood sugar Usually, I would imagine multiple times a day. Yes. Um, so I guess in this case, something around the platform, whether it's an application that's an extension of it, of the technology, 
would enable when you get that result, then not only do you know it, but also your care provider. Right, right. So what, um, so uh, I'll just take a brief step back. In 2015 uh, was the first year that uh, here in America, we surpassed $3 trillion in healthcare expenditures. And uh, 85% of that cost is tied directly to chronic disease. And seven out of 10 patient deaths are due to chronic disease. Now, the strange thing is it's not because doctors don't know what to do. Uh, they do. And it's not because we don't have treatments. I mean, you can't watch television without seeing an ad for COPD or depression yeah. or um, uh, high cholesterol, diabetes, etc. The challenge is, uh, at a, as I mentioned earlier, is that we live with chronic diseases 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we see the doctor, you know, once every three months. And in between those times, um, you know, your, your care gets a little bit out of sync. Now, to care for a patient with chronic disease, to become a doctor, you go to school for 10 years. And uh, if you have a chronic disease and you're caring for yourself, the 99.99% of the time, when you leave, you, you, know, you typically get a brochure and a couple prescriptions. Yeah. So it's not unusual that patients uh, can't be really good stewards of their own health. So it becomes key to keep the doctor and the patient connected. And if you're going to do that, you have to do it in an effective way that scales because the doctor certainly can't spend all their time monitoring you. So uh, to solve that problem, uh, we created uh, an app on the front end that the patient downloads on their phone. Now, depending upon what uh, disease states they have, what conditions they have, comorbidities, et cetera, the, the phone goes off like an alarm clock and it will ask them a few questions uh, at various points throughout the day or throughout the week. And we ask specific questions related to their condition, mm -hmm. things like, uh, what was your blood sugar this morning? Or what was your blood pressure when you woke up this morning? But we also ask questions about outside conditions, which, can, which could contribute to uh, a destabilization. So we're, we're very mindful of mental health like, have you had more good days or bad days this week? And what we're trying to do with those questions is get a, a sense of where that patient is at and where they're headed. And when the patient answers those questions, they show up on a dashboard in the doctor's office, in the hospital, or in the case management department, you know, at the health system. And the dashboard ranks those patients uh, on a scale of one to 100. A high number is bad means that the patient's been answering all their questions in the worst way possible. Mm -hmm. And a low number is good. And it means that they're relatively stable. So a, uh, and then we put alerts, they're color coded, red, yellow, or green. And so a, a red alert patient would be one that uh, an, a medical assistant, uh, a nurse, an LPN, a, a case manager or something would look at and say, okay, out of these 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 patients we're monitoring, Let's look at these red patients first, because uh, with population health management, we're looking at groups of people that are at risk. And when you attach something like chronic care to that, you would look at groups of people that are at risk right now so that they can intervene. And a red alert patient would indicate that they're trending in the wrong direction too quickly, which is a good sign that they're going to keep going in the wrong direction, or that they've crossed clinical thresholds that their physician may have set for them. So really it works out with the patients doing the heavy lifting and answering questions on their phone, 
And the, the system using signal theory to sort the responses on the back end to try to pick out, okay, these, these are the patients that are, that are good and these are the patients we're not sure and these are the ones that we think really need some attention. We're able to get the right doctor to the right patient at the right time mm-hmm. while course correction can be small. Otherwise, those patients, you know, we'd find out about them. We'd pick them up in the hospital or the emergency department. Does the patient get the notification if they're red, yellow, or green as well? We don't tell the patients what their condition is. We do, we, we do have alerts, and those alerts can go to what we call a patient advocate, which would be if, um, and it really depends on the doctor whether or not they want to turn those alerts on. But if a patient doesn't answer, for example, and is non-compliant, it will send their caregiver uh, an alert, or it might even remind them via email. But we leave it up to the doctor whether or not they want to turn that on, because that could be subject to interpretation mm-hmm. and fear. And uh, typically, they they find out in a hurry because the office calls them. Mm-hmm. Right. But but we don't automatically let them know that. So for the healthcare provider that's listening to us when we're talking about uh, chronic care IQ as a as a application slash platform is it a I assume it's like a cloud-based application where I I'm logging into it or am I going to access this data and the portal where I'm a physician or one of my uh, assistants like a nurse can go in is it a separate portal from my EMR or is it part of is the door in the EMR if you will Sure. No, that's that's a great question. Uh, so it's a free download for the patient in either the the uh, the App Store or uh, Google Play. Um, the doctors uh, typically it is their assistants that are looking at this, and then they're bringing the at-risk patients to the doctors. It is not embedded in the EMR. It's a standalone portal. They can look at it on their tablet, their home computer. Uh, you know, in the, the computer that they're regularly using in the office. And then we do integrate that information and pull information from the EMR and we can send information back to the EMR. Uh, many groups use it as a standalone um, and push information back into the EMR. So if I, if I entered biometric data into the application as a patient and it flows into chronic care IQ, then you're saying that once it hits the platform, then it will then push it up into Epic or, or Cerner or whatever, Azalea Health to have our local sure. folks. Um, is, is that what we're talking about, that it actually will populate some of that data into the actual record of the, of the patient on the EMR side? Yes, yes, it certainly can. I, I want to caution you, though, that a lot of the questions that we ask there are objective questions which have specific information like what was your blood pressure, your blood sugar, your weight, and numbers that can be tracked. But then these protocols that are the monitoring systems that monitor the patient, the questions and the frequency that the questions are asked, those questions uh, could be things, uh, do you feel better than you did yesterday? Mm-hmm. And for a discharged patient, have your activity normals returned or your activity levels returned to normal. Mm-hmm. And that's not really something that can be populated yeah, in an EMR. Sure. So biometrics, absolutely. The questions, if we did try to do that, mm-hmm. then they would appear as a visit note. And that would just, that would, then you'd have 30 visit notes a month and it would right. create a bit of frustration. Sure. But you're looking at the path that they're 
that they're traveling, right? Not just a single point in time, are you better yesterday than today? It gives you a trajectory of what how the patient's doing. Right. All yeah. of those questions contribute to the trajectory, and that's what's most important. Right. I can't help notice the parallels. We had Paula Dumas from Migraine Again a couple of weeks ago, and she had said that, I liked your phrase, uh, you're not, you realize you're not the, not the CEO of your body. She had said that uh, when people that have the migraines, they have to be detectives. They have to try and figure out what the triggers are. And it seems sure. like you give uh, tools to people here to help manage their own health care. They you're still the CEO. You just have some bad news that you have to uh, <laughs> share with yourself. Yeah, yeah, you have to share with yourself. <laughs> but but there are parallels there, and that was part of what. That's why I was asking if the patient got the information because if they take more care of themselves, they can uh, they can help themselves relieve some of these symptoms if they get the feedback. Well, I'm kind of impressed. I've heard azalea, current, and migraine again. You guys have a a, a pretty good. That's, uh, that's what Health people. Connect South is we supposed to do. We draw some cool water was, here yeah, on the Health do. Connect South yeah. radio show. We're talking with Matt Ethington, Chronic Care IQ, a platform that enables healthcare providers to better manage patients with chronic illness in their care. And and Matt, talk about that conversation. You walk into a hospital that hasn't heard of Chronic Care IQ. They say, oh, we're good. We've got Epic. We're good. We've got Azalea Health, whatever the case may be. What's the? Why do I want to add this to what I'm dealing with already my doctor's already got pop-up uh fever you know what from epic pushing information at them that they have to close through this is another portal why do i want to mess with this right so that that's a great question so there's uh, many many factors you have to take into consideration when approaching hospitals the reason why it's valuable for them to listen to what we have to say is because this is a specific quality initiative that enables them to identify and intervene with specifically at-risk individuals in real time. And with Medicare's payment reforms moving to quality right. and the heavy penalties on readmission and and m- even more so in orthopedics now, joint replacements, the, the doctor you know, bears the responsibility, the hospital bears the responsibility for not only the surgery and the outcome of the surgery, but the patient's wellness you know, after they've had a joint replacement. Um, it's called a bundled payment. Like they have to be responsible for all of it and manage it and deliver it. And they're responsible for making the patient well. The more you know in that kind of a scenario, the better control that you have. So this is a scalable way to have eyes on every patient that you would consider your at-risk population, the population you need to manage the most to get the best outcome and to have real-time information. So I, I think of it for several reasons. Uh, obviously for the payment metrics and then for the quality metrics to, to help the patients. The third thing is, uh, and it's, this is especially true on the ambulatory side in the office doctor side, is a lot of these patients are, there. some people call them frequent flyers, some people call them uh, heavy utilization members. They call the office, they're, they're very insecure. It's not uncommon to, to think, you know, to call, have a cardiologist that has a patient that calls three or four times a week because their blood sugar or their blood pressure, excuse me, is 10 or 15 points higher today than they were yesterday. Yeah. And those people aren't calling the practice because they're lonely. They're calling the practice because they're scared and they're insecure. And so to give them a more effective means to communicate and to hand them you know, that device that says, hey, we're going to keep in touch with you. You've, you answer these questions 
and we're going to let you know if something's wrong. And we've gotten an enormous patient response. Our patient engagement levels across all of our customers hover between 85 and 93% a week. When when we were building our EMR and we had a portal, we practically had to bribe people in waiting rooms with, you know, Starbucks gift cards to get them to log into the portal. But we get 85 to 93% patient engagement. And we only measure it weekly because some of the patients that are more stable and more well-controlled only have questions to answer maybe once a week. How does it flow from the perspective? I assume that it's if a physician practice or a hospital implements chronic care IQ, then then the doctor saying, hey, CW, I want you to download this app and it'll let us monitor your diabetes from here uh, with input from you. But we'll be able to take better care of you even when you're in between visits. Is that how that flows that, that the sure. doctor's office or the hospital, someone in case management or somebody is recommending to the patient that, Hey, let's, I'll show you where it is on the app store and let's download it right now. Right? Yeah. That, that essentially that's how it works. Okay. We have, uh, you know, for our, uh, specialist practices and in internal medicine and family practice where they're managing those patients on an ongoing basis. We have an email template that we send out it has a video of yours truly talking about how important it is to manage your chronic disease. And it mentions the scary statistics that, you know, seven out of 10 deaths and 85% of costs. And that email that's sent to those patients, it said, we'd like you to download this app, has a link uh, so that hopefully patients will do that before they come into the office. That doesn't always happen. So when we teach and we train practices on how to get the best results out of chronic care IQ, we provide them with uh, supporting information. And the best practice is that the, the medical assistant is with the patient when the app is downloaded and they go through the questions the first time with the patient. Are you able to talk at all about some of the users that you're engaged with right now that are putting the application into uh, use in managing their patients? I know a lot of times uh, when it comes to technologies or innovations around the healthcare space and you're talking to this CEO and why they're organizations should contemplate it. One of the first questions I've encountered in that space is, is there anyone else here using it? Do, yeah. You know, yeah. do you have a, a, a bullet or two around maybe some of the systems that are either testing it for you or actually putting it in, in implementation? Sure. There's, um, a, a couple, um, uh, yeah, uh, all different sizes, uh, were installed from, uh, Hawaii to Georgia. Uh, we've had a record month in June already. Um, so th- things are, for us are moving quickly. Uh, one of the probably the most respected uh, internist in Roswell, Georgia, where I'm from, uh, I've, I've known his office manager, Jenny Skipper Collins, for a long, long time, have a lot of uh, uh, respect for her. And so I had begun talking to her about, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build a company that does this. What do you think? And she shared some ideas, like make sure it's easy to manage on the back yes. end and you know, make sure that, you know, that, it can, that it's manageable. Um, so he was the first paying customer. And uh, they have, I think, uh, 70 or 80 patients enrolled. Um, they've spoken specifically that it reduced their call volume into their practice he speaks clinically about patients that were uh, 
may be difficult to titrate their medications or taking multiple medications and they're having daily fluctuations in, in what they're trying to manage. So he speaks mostly about what a pleasure it's been as a clinical tool to get his patients to their goals. Uh, and then the revenue numbers speak for themselves. Medicare reimburses under CPT code 99490. Medicare reimburses doctors $42 per patient per month. So when you can add hundreds or thousands of patients out of your patient population to this, and it's you know so automated that the patients are the ones providing the input and the they're, uh, I guess, scored and, and uh, consolidated on a color-coded dashboard, it becomes achievable to do that and it'd be a good profit stream for them. So you're saying then that if I'm... I'm like you, I'm diagnosed with diabetes. And so now is there a, uh, a, some kind of a marker, if you will, that's added to my record that now puts me into a chronic care management plan? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, that, that you were talking about, there's a, there's a fee that, that you receive as a provider for managing these patients. Is it, am I coded as a, as a patient with a chronic illness, then somehow then such that your practice or your hospital is, is following me a little bit more closely to make sure I don't get off track. Am I, is my question coming through? Well, I think that, I think, I think your comment is a bit futuristic compared to where we're at right now. Okay. You'll certainly have a diagnosis code that, uh, if you've been diagnosed with diabetes, so that, that, that's done for you. You're, you get that stamp and but what makes me eligible for that $42 a month the it is a reimbursement for the doctor when they can demonstrate that certain levels of care were provided to you as a patient with chronic disease okay and w- are there specific types of things that they have to do in terms of activities to qualify you know this this is what we did you sure. see what i'm saying sure so the 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 payment reform, and it's a Medicare payment reform, yeah. it's called CCM or chronic care management. Mm-hmm. It reimburses doctors uh, when they can demonstrate that they have provided, their, they or their staff have provided 20 minutes of non-face-to-face time in one month monitoring, managing, or coordinating care for patients with two or more chronic diseases. They also have to have a care plan, which is kind of like their goals for you. And that care plan has to be published electronically and electronically available uh, to the patient, as well as what they they say, third-party providers as appropriate. So that might mean your cardiologist and your pulmonologist, if you see a pulmonologist also, have to have access to that electronically. Uh, in chronic care IQ, because we we do, you know, our core business is the clinical aspect of maintaining the patient, but we automate all of those requirements on the back end, all of the time tracking, uh, as well as making that care plan uh, published and securely available uh, to those third-party providers. I think that answers the question that was kind of percolating up here. What if I have download the app and I answer the questions and I show up as read? But the person that's doing the back end is not the person that's going to help me. How do I make sure they transfer me to the person that can help me? Am I, am I asking that the right well, way? Well, so the, that would normally take place in whatever the, the protocols are for the practice. Okay. We consider ourselves an early warning system right. and a Medicare compliance tool. 
So what that does is that says, hey, this patient needs some attention, right? You have however many patients in your population, and these are the five that have signaled somehow that look like they need your attention. And the, the medical assistant then would look on, you know, look at our dashboard, click on that patient, look at their history, mm-hmm. and would probably call that patient just to verify, hey, is your, is your blood pressure really 180 mm-hmm. over 120? Right. You know, make sure that in, you know, there were no fat finger mistakes or, right. uh, and they'll, they'll distill that message and they'll take it to the doctor. And if the doctor says they need to go see their uh, cardiologist, then you know sometimes they'll call the cardiologist. Uh, sometimes they'll pay, tell the patient to call the cardiologist. It really depends on how the practice uh, responds. Okay. Now it is patient centric, so that if an internal medicine doctor was working closely with the cardiologist, or they were in the same ACO, or they were in the same entity, they could that patient could share both of their dashboards. Only one patient, only one doctor can get reimbursed for yeah. that Medicare code. But, um, you know, you'll, we see this a lot with internal medicine and cardiologists. The internists don't really want to be involved with stage three heart failure. That's a much more in, intensive uh, disease to manage. And the cardiologists don't really want to be involved with coaching the patient through their type two <laughs> diabetes thing. Right. So it is, it is, as a patient-centric product. Uh, We do enable those doctors to share the patient responses with other doctors, whether they are our subscribers or not. Mm -hmm. To make the data available so that they can make care choices for the patient in terms of planning. And when we're talking about your practice center and your hospital can generate extra revenue, I'm sure people can get nervous. But what what we're talking about here is not it's not nefarious. It's not creating something where it is not. It's actually identifying patients that we know are there and it's tracking them in a better way. And there may be some office visits that are generated by that, but it's not just to bring them in to say, Hey, how you doing? It's identifying them. in a, as you talked about in a worrisome trend line and being able to make a visit that prevents more expensive care down the road. That that's certainly how I see it. You know, we spend, we talk about bending the cost curve in healthcare mm-hmm. and the triple aim and things like that. What we've done for years in healthcare is we move costs from one side of the ship to the other, right? Mm-hmm. The insurance companies, you know, you got a higher deductible. So now more shifted to the patient or more shifted to the doctor because mm-hmm. the patient doesn't pay. Um, <clears throat> and that doesn't really change. the ca- it, it changes the calculus, but it doesn't change the outcome. Mm-hmm. When you can identify a patient that is decompensating or destabilizing, and it is those patients with chronic disease that are the most expensive. And cardiac disease is, it's, it, there's not even a close second to cardiac disease, uh, to heart disease. But when you can identify that one of those patients is approaching an event and you're able to uh, change up their treatment plan and say, okay, we need to get some of this fluid off of your body so that you can rest easier, so that you can breathe easier, so that you could, um, and you're able to prevent that downward trend, you can prevent a hospitalization. Right. And that's actually taking cost out of the system. In significant mm-hmm. chunks at a time. In big chunks, well, maintaining the patient's health. Yeah. And it and it and it's really it's really good for I think the doctor's psyche to say, you know what, now I have a tool I can actually work with um, and you know and do what I'm trained to do. 
Right. And if 85% of the three trillion is on chronic disease, any small savings there can be big dollar yeah, amounts. It's enormous. So who needs to think about adopting this into the way they are delivering and managing chronic care patients? Hospitals, uh, physician office, Who who's the client? Well, the the clients primarily have been doctor's offices, so medical practices, but they are now the hospitals that own those medical practices because it works in conjunction. If you discharge a patient from the hospital and you discharge them onto a platform that's going to keep eyes on them, and then they go to see their doctor and say, hey, you you have XYZ condition. We want to continue to keep these eyes on. It all works together, and we can keep those patients that need a little extra help, we can keep giving them that little extra help. The, the buyers right now are on the side of the practice because there's an additional reimbursement for the practice. And savings never motivates people as much as new revenue. So the, you know, the idea that you might have 250 or 300 patients that you could monitor, well, that's, that's a lot of money. That's ten dollars or $12,000 a month without seeing a single additional patient without having to keep office, you know, open later. And then you, you back that up with, it reduces the call volume into the practice somewhere in healthcare. We gave away the the work on the telephone for free. And when you call your lawyer's office, they start, they start the clock as soon as the phone rings. Uh, but everything in, in healthcare over the phone, medication refills, changes, lab reviews, all of that stuff uh, is done at no charge. So it, if you can reduce those call volumes, um, then you can make staff happier, administration happier. Revenue always makes things a little easier to run. Uh, and the patients love it. We've been talking with Matt Ethington, Chronic Care IQ, learning about how that empowers hospitals and physician offices to better manage patients with chronic diseases. One of the things that we always try to do here with Health Connect South is to identify, one, that this resource is available to the community so that folks can engage with it. It makes sense for them and their patients or what they're trying to do. But uh, the other thing that we look to do is in for many of our, our guests and participants in the Health Connect South events, they're looking for partnerships. They're looking for collaborations. They're looking for funding or all of the above, some mix of those. When you all sit around the boardroom today, what are you looking for? to make chronic care IQ, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, go, you know, get implemented on a wider scale. Are, are there resources that you're looking for, partnerships that you're looking for that would potentially facilitate what you're trying to do? I think good partnerships with some population health companies, you know, they do a great job of pulling out patients out of a, a out of a patient population, out of a hospital or health systems population and say, these are the patients where your risk is going to come from. And if we were able to tie on to that and say, and, and let's take this actionable tool and get this into the patient's hands. So not only do we know that these are the ones that are going to be at risk, we'll know when they're at risk so we can do something about it. We talk a lot about uh, the, the right kind of partnership uh, in that area. We're, uh, we're growing just about as fast as we can, which is, which is fantastic. It's always fun to be in, in this stage of a of a startup when, when you're, you've reached that point where, you know, you're going to make it through and, <laughs> yeah. and things are looking yeah, good. And the ground, we're actually flying. Right. Yeah. Right. We just, uh, so I think the right kinds of partnerships, um, anyone innovative that, 
that especially an innovative health system, we really want to work with those groups because they have other things going on that we can plug in. So we, right now, when we, when we ask a patient questions and they answer those questions, we consider those signals. But there are going to be multiple different types of signals that we're going to be able to interpret in the future with wearable technology. I'm not a huge fan of, you know, your heart rate every three seconds and, um, you know, some of the, the Fitbit type aspects. But there's new wearable technology coming out all the time, uh, things that, that monitor temperature. There's even a, a fabric that interprets in your sweat if you're having a heart attack. <laughs> and so, you know, and Google has a contact that measures your blood sugar. So there's, there's going to be a lot more uh, signals into our uh, solution as we go forward. Okay. That's really cool. Where do folks go to get linked up with you? Sure. Just uh, please go to uh, chronic care IQ and then click on contact us. That's great. And when do you recommend patients download the app? When their doctor tells them to. Okay, so you're going through. Okay, so it's not a, a sure co- it's, consumer pull. You're go- going through the hospital, the back end software, and have them. Well, there might uh, be some value to ask your doctor. Right. You know, I heard about this thing. And do you use this in your office? And if not, I I heard this ad, this this radio story, and maybe you should check it out. I was thinking like Sharecare has the tools that you download and monitor your health. I didn't know if you're going that way to make it more of a preventive tool for the patients as well well um we've thought about that you know we have discharge iq which managers which manages discharge patients and then we have chronic care iq for the offices to manage their chronic and fragile patients and we've thought about connected care mm-hmm. so families can keep track of their loved ones and things like that we're just we're drinking out of a fire hose right. now but if you want to tell your doctor to look into it it's a, <laughs> right. it's a great reimbursement and it's chroniccareiq.com that's right well the the thing that you're doing smart as a startup is you have to focus you have to focus on on something that's working and it sounds like it is so that's good just trying to figure out what's down the road make sure that you get registered if you haven't done so already for the upcoming health connect south event in september on the 21st at, at the, the georgia aquarium and use radio x uh, discount code. That's right. Any other listeners. events that you say that were uh, on the calendar? Well, just forward? the one that was so successful in Alabama yesterday, they're going to have one in Florida in November. So I'm okay. not sure of the dates yet, but there's uh, North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, and Florida, and the big annual events in Georgia. So keep up with those on healthconnectsouth.com. If you haven't done so already on the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll notice the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the Health Connect South radio show podcast lives and subscribe to us. And that way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to check it out when it's convenient for you. And we hope you turn around and share this information with your networks because you might just put some information in the hands of somebody for whom it makes a big difference and you just click share. So we'll say thanks in advance to everybody that turns around and shares this with uh, their folks for us. And, And Matt, we really appreciate you coming in and, and talking about what you're doing. I think it's a, a cool application. It sounds like it's got some real promise to actually help uh, reduce the overall spend on healthcare in a, in a, in a legitimate fashion and actually help patient outcomes at the same time, which is really kind of cool. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to seeing everybody at the aquarium. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I love the tools to give pa- patients more control over their health. So that sounds like that's what chronic care is doing and have people on the back end monitoring it for you. 
All the folks over at Health Connect South, Russ LaPerry, Shivani Goswami, Jay Schaefer here with us in studio. Want to say thanks to them for being a partner in the show. And Matt, want to say thanks again. And everybody out there who made us a part of your day today, thank you very much. We appreciate your time and we look forward to catching up with you next week. Same time, same place. See you then. (laughs) 